Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with your hosts, Corndog and Eric. Alright everybody, welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast. It is February 9th, 2022, episode 57, and I am Corndog, your host, sitting here with Eric, our co-host. How are y'all doing? How are you doing, Eric? No, I'm doing good. Better than I deserve. <laughs> I'm still sucking oxygen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little inside joke there. You guys will probably get some more of that in the future. Anyway, um, tonight's show is... Uh, yeah, hold on. We've got we're going to do a little update on our human performance scholarship contest we're going. And from what it sounds like, we are getting some good responses and good people entering that contest. You only have a couple weeks left, April 22nd. Yeah, got people uh piling in and signing up for that. So we've got some good entrance there and uh make sure you get your entry in for Six months of human performance training. Yeah. Dude, it's like a $6,000 human performance coaching package. And uh, I know you guys probably got a lot of questions with that, as do I. I know I, I know I could use it after uh, our first <laughs> race, Legacy. We raced Legacy Laughlin this past weekend. And, uh, man, I was, I was working pretty hard there through the first section and uh, it's time for time for me to hit the gym. So. <laughs> cool. But well, I know we I know we can all use more, you know, physical training and and coaching and uh mental coaching and stuff. So anyway, yeah, go get go get signed up for that. Great opportunity. We're going to have uh the Gainslinger crew on here shortly. So um yeah, well, on that note, let's let's go get um Cameron on the phone and um cool. Hear how it's going, ask some questions, and have a little bleep. And then after Cameron, we're going to have, I don't know, one of the youngest Dakar racers, Mason Klein. Dakar superstar. Yeah. Mason Klein. 20 years old and going to kind of hear his story, and I I, I can't wait. Heck yeah. Let's go get Cameron on the phone and And move right back. Stay tuned. Cool. So, uh, our show last week, I've listened to it a couple of times, pretty excited about that and thought we'd have you come and give us a little update of what's been going on on your end. Yeah. So like, that was a lot of fun last week for sure. Uh, you know, got to talk about some cool stuff and, uh, you know, got to announce what, uh, we're putting out there, what we're giving away. And, you know, we've already got some pretty cool responses back from people, you know, like we said, give it give us a good reason you know to uh why you want to win this contest and you know and get some coaching that could really change everything for you know your motorcycle racing and uh it's pretty awesome to see how passionate this uh, community is about what they do you know it's it's not an easy sport for at, at any level you know whether you're a beginner or pro and uh people are just drawn to it so super encouraging super exciting so uh yeah everyone just keep them coming, you know, send your friends, uh, anyone. Yeah. Heck yeah. I've been telling everybody. I don't yeah, know. So, somebody's going to have a really good chance as far as, uh, 
you know, getting not, not having a ton of people because there's not a ton of time. So they got pretty good odds of getting selected. So if they sell themselves good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to, yeah. You know, we're only running it for a short time. So yeah, for sure. Well, Cameron, take a couple minutes and explain, and I know we hit on it a little bit last week of like maybe what the training would be. And like I talked to you on the phone earlier, uh, let's say somebody doesn't have access to a gym. What do we do? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really all starts with uh, basically our athletic efficiency score. Um, we always say, you know, whether you're a first timer, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, we, we give you the same attention that we would give to, say, a Ken Roxon or a Cooper Webb or anyone like that. And so with that comes a high level of customization. So, you know, we, we have basically six pillars of performance that we look at. You know, we look at someone's anthropomorphic structure, which is basically their their body type, what, what, it, what it looks like, how well their metabolism is working, um, what their recovery and stress management is like. Uh, their training, is there enough growth stimulus to actually improve their kinesiology, basically how well do they move? Like, you know, physically, are you able to get in a certain position? And then third is, you know, what's their goal and how specific can we be to it? Sorry about that alarm going off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it, it really starts with that. So, you know, for example, we had a, uh, we had an athlete we'd been working with for some time. And she was moving around a bunch, traveling, and was basically only in their toy hauler. And she's like, man, like, I don't want to get out of shape. Like, I want to be ready to go. What can we do? And we said, okay, well, what's, what's the most important thing right now? And at the time, it was like, okay, we need to continue to build some strength and some, a little bit of aerobic conditioning. And so we say, okay, no big deal. What can we use around us uh, to develop that, you know, and we basically worked out. I was like, okay, well, I got a mountain bike, so we have aerobic conditioning covered. So we build a plan that can suit that, that can, you know, handle the weather wherever she's at. And, you know, then we come up with, you know, basically like, hey, do you have a floor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that, that's about all the equipment you need really to, to, to improve, right? Like obviously, you know, having access to better equipment into a gym is always going to be more ideal. But that doesn't mean you can't improve, even if you have nothing. Right. So basically, you have a program for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, it's kind of interesting. At the beginning of 2020, when all the gyms closed, we found ourselves like, man, people are like, what do I do? I have my garage floor and that's it. It's like, okay, let's get creative. And uh, so, yeah, you know kind of a blessing in disguise we were able to come up with some really creative ways and some people are like you know what this is this works for me this is easy i can do it anywhere and you know some of them never went back to the gym <laughs> well that's cool and yeah, and so. they're they're showing results as well right yeah and that's the main thing right like we you know when when you work with us you know we we track all those metrics closely we we do body scans at least monthly, uh, which they're easy to come by. They're easy to get these days, just about anywhere, any state, pretty much any town has a place where you can do it. And uh, yeah, we track every metric that's available to us. Uh, that way we know where we're improving and where change is not happening and we can make a plan to address it. Nice. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Just having uh, 
<clears throat> just having that in your corner alone is is pretty big you know having somebody track your progress and then you can see data showing what's actually going on you know that you're making improvements and stuff so yeah no no for sure and it, it's encouraging <clears throat> right you know uh we use exactly. an app nowadays to uh to track all basically every workout and so we can look back you know six months ago say hey six months ago you were doing this now you're doing this and you know whether good or bad you know we can make those decisions hmm. yeah no that's cool <clears throat> that's really cool and you go into um nutrition eating you know foods and um uh, I, I don't do you guys do um vitamins or whatever as well yeah we deal with it all you know like we always say we're coaches uh not instructors so you know food you know your diet is a very personal thing you know and it's there's more than just uh more than just nutrients right there's an uh, emotional and cultural component to eating so you know we we deal with it but we say okay like this is what would be ideal what are you actually willing to do that you're going to stick to, right? People, you know, it's kind of cliche, but here's all the time. The best diet is the one that you'll actually stick to. Right. Um, and well, I, I love that it's, it's just the whole program's tailored to the athlete and, you know, structure is something that most programs are missing and, uh, you know, you guys are offering that. And so that's, I don't know. That's just something really cool. Yeah, you know, it it, it, really, it really makes it a lot of fun for the athlete because, you know, you might be used to something really templated or you're trying to emulate, you know, what you see somebody else doing. Uh, and a lot of the times, uh, you know, you can learn a lot doing things that way, but the most ideal situation. But by knowing where you're at and having some hard metrics, you know, programs look pretty much like no one else's at the end of the day right there'll be some overlap but ultimately it's it's for you right i like the fact too that that you basically have a coach a lot of people if they're doing it on their own they don't have the discipline or if they're not checking in with somebody they decide to have a twinkie and turn the tv on yeah there's no accountability and you guys provide that too that is an important aspect yeah Yeah. definitely you know it's like i said it's it's that adherence that drives the results right and you know we uh we always say that you know coaching is a lot different than just being a trainer you know if i was just a trainer or a nutritionist we could say, okay, we'll just do these things. And you'll say, okay, yeah, I'm going to eat this food. I'm going to train six days a week and do all these things. Thanks for the advice. And you're going to walk away and you're going to. A coach is someone who can go in and say, okay, let's, I'm not going to tell you just what to do, but we're going to discover together how we can do it, that you'll actually do it, you know? And it's uh, it's a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit more involved, but, you find yourself just in repeated consistent action. And that's what really, it makes all the difference. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm yeah. If you think of that from a sports analogy, anybody can tell you how to go play basketball can tell you the steps to, you know, proper form or shooting the ball or whatever, but to have a coach, someone that's there every day, that's, you know, there for you, 
can pick up on the little things that you do well or that you do different. That's, you know, that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we have a client right now who she's a full-time nurse and it's like, okay, eat these and these foods. And she's like, okay, that's great. Except for I'm on the floor for nine hours and I don't have an opportunity to eat unless I can cram it into like two and a half minutes. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, let's discover a way that we can overcome that obstacle together. And I think that's where the power is because otherwise you just kind of give up. You're like, well, I guess I guess just can't do this right now. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we are more uh, focused in on the things we can't do and on the problems than uh, being open to the solutions. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. We're excited. Um, Again, everybody, you listeners get your, application in or for the the scholarship giveaway the uh, human performance scholarship at gainslinger.com is that right yep that's right okay and uh it's pretty cool it pops up right as soon as you go to that website it pops right up and you just click on that and do your thing yeah jump on there guys don't miss out on this opportunity like i said your odds are really good so yep make sure you sell yourself good it's gonna i think it's gonna be a tough tough choice but somebody's going to walk away with better health yeah you know uh, for sure it's it's, can really be life-changing i know it was for me uh you know when i had someone kind of come alongside me and do the same so yeah cool all right cameron well um maybe we'll talk to you again next week and um get another little update um our end date was what we say the 22nd of this month Yep, February twenty second will be the end date, and then we'll. Uh... Yep, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, have a good night. Yep. Thanks for having, having us. See you later, guys. Have All right. Night. All right. Bye. All right, guys. Man, um, thank you, Cameron and Krista from Gainslinger. Uh, what an opportunity! A uh, lot of knowledge sitting there. And uh, get in this contest. And even if you aren't chosen as the winner, check them out. And it may be worth joining their program anyway. Uh, just now you have an opportunity from us, the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast and Gainslinger teaming up to make somebody better. Yeah, better. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Go check them out, gainslinger.com. Yeah, so let's go get Mason Klein on the phone and interview with him, hear his story, and we'll be right back with Mason. Hey, Mason, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. What up, Corn Dog and Eric? <laughs> What's up, man? We're doing good, man. Uh, excited to have you on the show, hear your story, and uh, um, yeah, we're pretty amazed at what you've accomplished so far, so... Um, I don't yeah, know. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> cool. Well, I know, I know we got a lot to talk about Dakar for sure. I mean, mm. what an experience that I can't wait to hear that. Um, I guess just tell our guests and us who you are, where you came from, I guess, start at the beginning, I guess, huh? All right. Sounds good. My name is Mason <laughs> Klein. I'm 20 years old and I just did my first Dakar. Dakar rally and it went pretty good for me uh, but starting at the beginning um, 
I started racing around 10 years old, um, doing a lot of desert hair scramble style events. And um, the first like long distance race I ever did was with my brother and our friend Jake Endress. We raced uh, 125 in the 250 open class or yeah, whatever, 250 amateur class at Best in the Desert. Mm. And um, from there, I realized I really like going fast, maybe, maybe not so fast, but making decisions going really fast. <laughs> so um, the long distance thing worked, was great. I ended up going <laughs> from that. My dad and my brother and I, um, we got some 500s and we all just started going on really long rides. And that eventually ended up leading us to the Park City KTM Adventure Ride in 2018. Uh, there we met Moto Minded and Conflict Suspension, Alex Martins. Um, yeah, what, when you see a rally tower on a bike that looks just like yours, it seems um, a lot more doable. When you see a rally tower on a factory KTM or a factory Honda or a factory Yamaha, maybe it doesn't seem so possible, but at this KTM rally, that's really what got me started into really wanting to do rally. Okay. Hmm. Now, you're from California? Yeah. Okay. I was born in Long Beach and recently moved to a place called Agua Dulce. It's a okay. pretty great area for riding. It's right by Palmdale. It's got a lot of great tracks for navigation. And yeah, we do everything here. It's great. Nice. So did your dad or relatives ride race or is this something that you guys, when you got older or I can't say you're older cause you're 20, but <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how did the, the dirt bike come into your family or into your life? <clears throat> uh, dirt bikes. My parents got us into riding dirt bikes. Like it was since we were two maybe, but um, we only got into racing, like I said, around 10 years old and, that's because of my dad. He had this one friend who just wouldn't stop telling him about how he has to go do a race. And uh, <laughs> my dad said he wouldn't go to the race unless there was a race for us. And finally, they started a youth series. And my dad said, okay, we'll go. And yeah, that was the beginning of something hopefully great. Nice. Been great so far. Thanks, I, could, I would say so. <laughs> You've probably done more than most people have racing their whole life. Yeah, actually. So normally a hundred hours on a dirt bike is pretty bad, right? Like, ah, it's pretty done. Like regular, whatever racer guy. Right. right. I found out that I put on over a hundred hours on my Dakar bike during Dakar. <laughs> wow. So the race yeah. time was only like 40 hours, but with all the liaisons and everything over a hundred hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. (laughs) And you and you pretty much I mean, you pretty much start with a brand new bike. Yeah. I think it had like five kilometers on it before I got to sit on it. So Yeah. It was brand new. Heck yeah. Hmm. What was your what was your first bike or did you just tell us what your very first bike was or what was your Uh, first my first bike? I don't actually know. I know I had a quad, but then I was like, ah, got sick of that pretty quick, I guess. Right. Then we moved to um, some kind of 50. And 
that's all I really know about that. I feel like it was like some weird brand, not KTM, but from there, uh, I just, all I remember about my first dirt bike is we're at my house. I was sitting with my dad and he was looking on Craigslist or something. And he said, Hey, do you want an orange dirt bike? And I said, no, I don't like orange. And he said, it's fast. And ever since then, I've been on a KTM. <laughs> nice. That's like the first memory I have about getting a dirt bike. Nice. It's pretty cool that I still ride an orange dirt bike. <laughs> That's Heck <pretty>. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you said you had a brother. You just have one brother or one sibling? Yeah, just one brother. Um, <clears throat> older or younger? A lot of training together. Yeah, he's 17. Younger. So does he race as well? Yeah, he does a lot of racing. The Heron Hound series. He last year he did all the works or not works, but Big Six and something. Big Six and Heron Hounds last year. Cool. He does <clears throat> a lot of stuff. We've actually been trying to get him in a rally. We're going to Mexico this weekend, I think, for the Snore Rally School. Oh, cool. And I'm really excited to get him out there, do it some more roadbooks again. Nice. He hasn't done roadbooks in like half a year, so time to get back out there. <laughs> get him to like it very cool um and has your dad been racing or has he just kind of been there to support you now uh my dad did a race two years ago because my brother's back was hurting and we already paid for the entry so <laughs> we swapped it over to my dad and my dad raced and i think he had a lot of fun but he's been focusing on my brother and i a lot more now That's very awesome. nice of him but i feel bad because i just want him to race also <laughs> right. We do, plenty of, we do plenty of riding in between races. So I feel like it kind of makes up for it. Yep. Cool. I think before the car, I think it's very safe to say we did over ten thousand kilometers. Uh, maybe even twenty thousand kilometers just doing training. My dad and I and my brother. Huh. So we definitely do do a lot of riding together. <clears throat> What is the difference or what is there a big feel difference between a regular desert bike and then your rally bike? I know you got that big old fairing on it. Um, is that something you had to get used to or did it just like getting on another bike and just go? I feel like getting on a new bike is always weird. I've ridden other people's bikes before and I always have a complaint. I never say it out loud, but. <laughs> There's always something you'd do different, like change the levers or adjust the bars or whatever. And uh, the first time I ever got on a rally bike with Bart, I think 2020 or 2021. Um, yeah, the rally bikes, I feel, are super easy to get used to. I think if you ride a KTM, it's easy to ride a KTM. All right. So did you just say the first time you'd ever been on a rally bike was in 20 or 21? Yeah, I think so. That That's just it's crazy and then you go to dakar and place in the top 10 would you place ninth right yep ninth that, that's just crazy that's phenomenal dude <laughs> yeah i was definitely very surprised at the end um i sat at the finish line waiting for toby to come in everybody was like how are you how do you feel and i said i don't know until this is the line because it was i knew it was super close between me and him and ended up being like 13 seconds or something at the very end. Wow. And, oh, when I found out I beat him, I feel like that was almost as good as winning the rally. Just because yeah. he was like, 
besides Skyler, I felt like Skyler and I we started very similar position every day, except he was doing way better overall. And when he got out of the race, I was basically just looking for someone else to talk to every day in the mornings and talk strategy because we started in the same spot basically every time and Toby was always there. So I kind of felt like maybe he didn't see me as competition, but in the end it just, ah, it was, it was really great having someone like Toby and everybody else there to talk to every day. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I, I know we followed you over here at the States and I, I know for a fact, you probably surprised a lot of people and a lot of people know who Mason Klein is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, that was, yeah. A phenomenal <clears throat> performance. And, uh, what, you know, what were your expectations going into it? Um, I feel like it was more like goals not expectations. Uh-huh. I knew I really wanted to get a top 20 and, uh, after Morocco, I thought like I knew it would be really tough because obviously our overall thingy, it wasn't, there's something weird with the rally too in the elite class in Morocco and Dakar this year. But in Morocco, my overall times, I was like barely top 20 every day. And, um, between Morocco and Dakar, I did a lot of suspension testing and uh, I got the right springs on my bike, which was super nice, made a huge difference. So when I got to the car, I felt even better. Oh yeah, that's another part. I have a bike here that I got from Bass and um, I've been able to ride basically the same bike as my race bike here. So I've been getting super comfortable on basically what I was going to race. And that definitely made a huge difference. I had like a year to train on it and from Morocco to the car, I was feeling a lot better. So my goal was still top 20. But uh, obviously, you always want to do better. I feel like no matter how good anyone does or no matter how good I do or my brother, whatever, it's always like, oh, you could have done this to do better. Right. I think uh, as a racer, we all do that a little bit. Yeah. Most of us. <clears throat> um. So your your ride with with boss is that a support ride or is that something that you're you're you guys are f- fully funding or how's that? Yeah, that's look? basically um, besides my mom and dad uh, took a lot of help from a lot of other people. Did a lot of fundraising uh, with Happy Dave and Dan Bartolucci and my GoFundMe selling shirts and everything. Yep, um, that's basically how I got there. Yeah, I was going to go to that fundraiser that Happy Dave had there at his place in Vegas. And uh, I can't even remember what happened, but something came up and I didn't make it. And I was pretty bummed. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, well, yeah. Now you know that maybe, hopefully, we're going to be able to do some more of these. Get me back there next year, hopefully. Heck yeah. Yeah, Heck we got to see you back man, <clears throat> after that yeah. performance. Heck Yeah. At the Any, race all the uh, time, I was saying, I don't know if I'll come back. <laughs> then the race is over, and it's like, all right, let's go back. Uh-huh. It's not that easy to just go back. Yeah. I just want to go back. Absolutely. You got the sickness. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we're already talking about the car, but I guess let's go back. You said once you got on that rally bike a year or two ago, you, you were hooked. 
let's mm. go into a little bit of some of your training, um, your map training, um, that kind of stuff. I, I get, tell us a little bit about that. All right. Um, basically, uh, there's not a lot of people in America that have the same freedom to go ride their dirt bikes that I do. So when I do have free time, I want to spend it doing road books or training with my brother. And the only way to do that is to make your own road books. So I've been spending a lot of time on the computer, probably more time on the computer making road books than I am riding dirt road books, actually for sure longer. And uh, I think it's a super big help for riding road books and racing with road books, because if you can make your own road books, you have a way better understanding of everything you know right so um yeah so I just do you use the same do you use the same language or signage or what i don't know what you call it um that they would give you at the, the car race i always thought that when i got my road book at the car there would be an english version and a french version because rally navigator has it in english right okay. so the whole time i've been practicing road books in english and then um, a few weeks before the car, uh, Skylar says, dude, you're doing it wrong. So mm. obviously, until you've actually done the race, you have no idea what the roadbooks are going to look like. So I've definitely not been practicing the best thing. But uh, since the car, I've made a lot more. And they are in the Dakar style. So that's super nice. I have... Um, I think three weeks of road books lined up to go do now and really excited to get out there and do it. Cool. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I went riding with happy Dave. He teamed up with me in the mint 400, but I got on his Honda mm -hmm. that's kind of set up as a rally bike. And I was looking at his book and I'm like, yeah, this is like Egyptian. I, I it, it was weird. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, everybody has their own way of making one. And that's the cool part about Rally is if you have friends like Happy Dave or Dan Bartolucci or anyone that makes road books, <clears throat> it's like reading a book, you know, it's a different, every road book is a new story and you have, you interpret the reader or the writer of the road book and you just go out there and have a blast. Rally is definitely a super fun sport because of that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. <clears throat> um, who, yeah. who taught you how to like read your first road book? Um, I made my first road book before I had a road book holder. Then I realized I needed a road book holder. So I found a uh, cardboard spot tracker box and I used some pencils and some rubber bands. <laughs> I said, Hey dad, we're going to go on a trail ride. Hmm. Wow. So that I'm, obviously I feel like I come I've come a long way so, from so my but, first book, the, the ones I'm making now, but yeah, definitely like that, that seems kind of crazy to me that you like you just decided you were gonna make a road book. Like you didn't have anybody that was guiding you or showing you how to do it or like did you watch mm -hmm. some videos or what? You know, it's super weird. <laughs> the only videos I watched before I made a road book were how to make a road book. <laughs> <laughs> because i just wanted the tower and all this stuff on my bike i didn't care about the road book but then I, 
I eventually realized it's going to cost a lot of money to get the road book set up. So then I was like, fine, I'll just make a road book. <laughs> and then I printed it out and I was like, all right, now I got to put this piece of paper in something. So it was, it was all about the look before it was really about learning how to do it. <laughs> that's so rad. <laughs> uh, that's funny. How many, and how old were you when you did that? Uh, it was in high school. Um, let me think. Seven, maybe 17 or 18. That's uh, cool. Yeah. And look well, at you now. Yeah. Look yep. at top 10 at that car rally. <clears throat> I actually started making kids at school build road books with me. My friend Brody, like, we'd get our work done real quick and then would be on the school computers, we'd go on Rally Navigator. And I'd say, all right, you make a road book in this area, I'll make one in this area, and we'll go do it after school. We'd use the school printers to print it all out, tape, tape <laughs> together during lunch. And yes. then we go right after school. It was awesome. That's cool. That, mm. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say. That, it's, that's rad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I came home after the car, I told the kid, thank you for spending all those days making road books with me. Yeah, nice. That's, that's cool. It's definitely hard to do it on your own, especially if no one else wants to ride with you. Because I'm going the wrong way, doing circles all day. And it's like, ah, it couldn't be that much fun for too many people. I know my brother and my dad, when we first started doing rally, they'd get so mad at me. Well, it felt like they were getting so mad at me when I kept doing a U-turn, you know? Like, they don't understand why I'm doing circles. Sure. But they're just following me. And I'm telling them I'm really sorry. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> but then I put my dad on the bike. And then he started understanding, and he's like, oh, that's why we're doing circles. And he starts doing circles. I put Carter on the bike. He starts doing circles. I think the trick is to not do it by yourself. Also, because if you are doing circles by yourself, then it may, maybe you get the wrong idea and like get really frustrated. You know, It's nice to have your brother or your dad there to be like, all right, you can figure it out, and you have to figure it out because we're in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Very cool. Being able to ride with people makes a huge difference too. Yeah, I, I, you're talking this, and it's like I said, it's Egyptian or Greek or whatever to me. I, I, I can't even relate. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to relate to it. I'm like, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm used to following Pink Ribbon or the the, the single track in front of me. One <clears throat> course, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Oh. I pro I. I got lost really bad zero times one time. Uh, it's embarrassing to say I got lost because I was going the right way, but then I just turned around for no reason. You know, we all do that. Right. But in a uh, ribbon race, I get, I got lost every race, every hare and hound, every race of the year. And it was just so annoying because I was doing rally stuff at the same time. And it's like, you get lost and you have, you just basically, you could do circles and then you forget where you came from and you only know where to go once you find dust. But in rally, it's cool because if you just go to the dust and maybe you'll miss a waypoint. So mm. it almost kind of feels like it helps to have done the hair and hounds, fallen ribbon and everything, you know, maybe right. it teaches you to follow dust. It teaches you not to follow dust. So I think that's good too. And mm. didn't that one of the, what it what, days or rounds what do they call them over there um stages stages 
Um, didn't you um, do very well because you stuck to your plan and followed the map where there was a few other people that kind of just got off course or whatever you call it. But since you, I, I heard that you stuck to your plan and followed the map, it, it advanced you or your finish was very well that stage. Is yeah. That yeah. Uh, I actually have my stage results. There's something I want to talk about. So it was stage two. This is the one where I did really, really bad. I lost 40 minutes. Hmm. I started fifth and Sam Sunderland started sixth. He finished second on the day and I finished 33rd. Wow. The next day you start behind a bunch of people and it's like the, the only easy part about it is there's tracks, right? But then there's so many tracks when you get to a hard spot, there's tracks going every direction. It's nice because you can cut all the turns, but when you start cutting the turns, if you're only racing, then you're missing waypoints. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of cool to think about having to race and screw up because you're still racing instead of navigating, you know? Right. And um, that was the day I realized, don't worry about other people. I mean, I've told myself and a lot of people have told me, worry about yourself. Don't follow. Don't do anything. Just read the road book. But that was the day I was like, all right, if I want to do good and I want to not keep screwing up, ignore everything do your own thing and um i got third that stage i had a huge advantage obviously i started 33rd finished third but uh i think i learned a lot that stage also that helped me for the rest of the stages and um yeah that was a nice thing is you make a mistake and you still have a bunch more days to not make the mistake again you learn so much every day and you get to use that thing that you just learned the next day you have zero time to forget and uh it's cool yeah well very impressive so you talked about <clears throat> missing waypoints and stuff do, do you guys have a transponder on the bike that tracks everything or trackers or how's that work yeah so um on the crossbar there's only an air like an arrow pops up when you get within a certain radius like 800 meters of a waypoint that's some waypoints some of them have zero arrows and you just have to be exactly on the roadbook. Hmm. And um, the ones where you have to be exactly on the roadbook are really hard when you start far back because the tracks start getting so wide. Or, for example, the one day we started behind the cars, the tracks get super wide and everybody cuts the corner. And um, if you go right past the waypoint, you don't know because there's an arrow pointing you backwards or something, you know? You're going to get to the next waypoint 10 kilometers away and it's going to say oops you missed a waypoint you want to take a really big hey mason we're oh. back sorry about that we got kicked off there for a second probably uh <laughs> the area 51 we're close to area. a bunch of testing out here so that we'll blame it on that all right it must be that yeah because i i don't know what it could have been from here <laughs> yeah sometimes if we get a, a call or a text or something it, it pops us off or whatever so um we are doing it on my cell phone right now, but we just purchased a whole bunch of equipment. So here in the next few episodes, we're going to be top notch. <laughs> Sweet. 
So, yeah. I think we, I know where I left off. Okay. Uh, waypoints. Yes. Uh, basically, maybe I was going on and on too much, but <laughs> a lot of times waypoints can be super helpful uh, in the car or in any rally. Person making the roadbooks, maybe they want to use the waypoints to be really mean to you, you know? They make it really hard to find, and um, it's definitely just another part of the the rally racing game that makes it so fun. It's uh, another challenge. So explain a waypoint. Is it a physical, like, object, or is it virtual? just a virtual object? Yeah, they're all virtual, and there's, like, 10 or more different kinds of waypoints, I think. So how do you know if you hit a waypoint? Does, is there a beeper that goes off or is there a computer screen that shows, okay, you hit that one or? Yeah, it'll beep. Okay. Is it a loud beep? Because I know I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty loud. Even when I wear earplugs, it's loud. The problem okay. is when you start trying to navigate really fast and you look in your road book and you don't see, you don't notice that it says you're supposed to find a waypoint. And you get really unlucky and you're not perfectly on the trail and it doesn't beep and you never have to think about anything and you just don't get the waypoint. You just don't know. Yeah. So they are labeled in your, your road book. Yeah. Symbol or signal or whatever. So if you see it in your, you know, you have to. Yeah. You better find the waypoint. Okay. If not, it's a pretty big penalty or how do they work that? Yeah. um, A lot of the penalties are, different i guess for different waypoints like 15 minutes to an hour so i think you get a speeding penalty it's also like a minute or one minute per every kilometer over or something like that so they do have speed zones in the in the actual stage yeah sometimes i think we only had that like in three stages or more max i don't know i don't remember many of them this year yeah, I think Skyler talked about that, didn't does he? Your, does your transponder or tracker, does it give you actual moving speed, or do you have to – how do you get that? Yeah, the GPS will show how fast you're going. It says, like, speed on ground, but it goes based on GPS. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you start going too fast, it starts beeping louder. And Okay. The, yeah, the so kind of like the – They really like the, the trackers oh. that we use in Baja – yeah, probably. Um, they they kind of show you the speed that you're moving. And then on another little screen, it shows you the speed you're supposed to be, you know, the speed limit. And if you go over, it starts beeping at you and stuff. Um, yeah. And then same thing when you go by a VCP virtual checkpoint, it beeps at you a different, like a different chirp, but it beeps to let you know you hit that VCP. I think it's all kind of the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, on that topic so Baja's doing a rally class any intentions of trying that um i never really know what i'm doing it's so hard to plan for anything because i just my mom doesn't like it but i really enjoy doing it <laughs> last minute like we just <laughs> mexico the other day colton udall called me at 8 p.m and said hey you want to go on a trail ride in mexico tomorrow morning we said yes <laughs> nice yeah, I couldn't turn that down. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Cool. So how how does it feel? Do you get I don't even know what, how to say it. Um how how 
do you feel famous coming back? <laughs> um, I feel like I don't really get out much, but I have definitely been recognized if, at a few places. Like we went to King of the Hammers and people know how, who I was. So that was also super cool. Yeah, I was on Supercross. Yeah, we saw that. I was, that was my next question. I was wondering if you had saw that. Yeah. And if you did, how did you feel when you saw your name being mentioned at Supercross? Well, I didn't get to see it like for real the first time. Uh, I just was told about it. And then um, it was definitely really nice to see that I was top American at the first time they put it on Supercross. And then the next time, like they did it twice. So that was super cool. Like we were just watching Supercross and out of nowhere, I was like, oh, there I am. That was super cool. Were you sitting there with like your friends and family watching it? Is that when you saw that? Yeah. Everybody start whooping and hollering and stuff. Yeah, it was sweet. And then I could just start getting a bunch of messages. Oh, look, Mace, saw Supercross. Yeah. That uh, was awesome. Yeah, I even seen it coming over social media, Instagram or something, a bunch of people putting it on their stories and tagging you and took screenshots of the TV. I saw that coming through a lot. It was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely crazy. Like, <clears throat> basically nobody to now a few more people know me. <laughs> yeah yeah well you should be proud man you you uh accomplished a huge accomplishment and uh in your first year over there at that so young yeah so that's that's really cool you got a bright future ahead of you especially <clears throat> in the rally stuff it seems like you have a a really good head on your shoulders to read the the, the rally books and all that so mm-hmm. um what's in the future for for yourself um what what do you you know what do you, what do you see yourself in the next five years just continue to try and do dakar yeah i definitely want to be in a nice position like some of the other factory guys to where all i have to do is show up and ride i mean i know that's not all it takes but that's where that's the obvious end goal maybe is to be a factory guy uh but for now we just need to maybe keep raising money and really try hard to get us to all the races maybe yeah. need to start focusing on my brother a bit more any plans like of him doing rally we're trying really hard to get him to do the snore rally this year i think okay cool and he seems like kind of interested but kind of not it's like he doesn't want to do it because i do it you know yeah right. yeah right. makes sense and he's also he really wants to get the Heron Hound Championship or do his best as he can this year. Right. Like one of his really big goals, main focuses of the year. So it's hard to get him to think about anything else. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. And, and you know, you got to want to do it. You got to want really, you know, have a desire to to do it, to do well. So, yeah, I'm not I'm even sure, I'm sure it'll come. His name is Carter Klein. Yeah. Uh, really fast guy. Really awesome. Kid on a we'll, have to, we'll have to check him out at the uh, National here in Panaka when the National Hound comes out here. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll come out and meet you guys. Yeah, we're yeah. literally probably a mile from the start line right now. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. Convenient for you if you race the series. What's that? So that's pretty convenient for you if you race the series. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's Even nice the Johnson Valley races are like two hours away for us. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, so tell us a story about Dakar. Um, how was the traveling over there? Did I, I guess I got a, a lot of questions. I guess, how was the traveling? And did your dad or brother or anybody get to go with you? Or did you just get stuck on a plane and say, go have fun? Yeah, um, I definitely knew I needed my dad. Um, he's really good at being a dad and making sure that I do what I'm supposed to do, like eat and hydrate. So my dad came with me. Uh, awesome. He was my nutritionist, you know. Right. And, um, it took me like a week to get over the jet lag, but it was almost better to not get over it, I guess, because when I went there, I started waking up at two in the morning every day. Mm. <laughs> but that was like perfect. Right. Because the race started at two, three, four in the morning. Mm. It takes me like an hour to get my gear on and eat and everything. So it's like it was easy to get used to it. But maybe not easy. I don't know. Long, long plane flight. I think it was like 16 hours to get to Saudi. Wow. When did you When did you start to feel the fatigue setting in and really start to feel like, man, this is, you know, we've been on the bike for days. Skyler said stage eight. Uh, I think stage seven, six or seven, I was telling people at the refuel, I was like, this is the longest day of my life. We are like 100 <laughs> kilometers in. And I felt like it was never going to end. Right. That's got to be wild. I mean, you guys are doing, yeah. How many kilometers a day usually? Uh, I think the average is like 700 kilometers a day. And what is that broke down into mileage? Four or five hundred miles. Yeah, I think four or 500 miles. Oh, a day. Yeah. Wow. We put 100 hours on the bike. So. Right. We did a lot. Hmm. Huh. Um, how was the food over there? Did or did you guys take your own food? Uh, we brought some like meal thingies that you just put hot water in. Okay. But I never ate those until after the rally. The <laughs> food there was pretty good. I thought it would be like weird stuff, but it was like pasta and chicken and all the good stuff that you could ever hope for, I guess. <laughs> nice. No camel burgers or nothing. Well, maybe. <laughs> The one day, I swear, oh my gosh, lamb kind of looks like a dog. Yeah, well. <laughs> on the skewer over a fire spinning. And maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Whatever it was, I'm sure it was lean. Yeah. <laughs> what? Anything over there while you're over there happened crazy? I know we talk about Baja a lot. We always ask somebody to tell us a crazy Baja story. Do you have a crazy Dakar story? I think before even the first day of the rally, uh, Castera's truck exploded, car exploded. Someone's car exploded. Wow. So that was kind of scary. Like an actual explosion, like it blew up? Yeah. Wow. And, um... <laughs> A lot of people had COVID, turns out. Wow. Were they pretty strict on that whole thing? Test you daily and stuff? Uh, it, no. We only got tested near the end and at the beginning. I, I'm pretty sure I tested. So I tested negative, And then the next day, 
or the same night, I felt like I was going to die. Definitely had COVID for like the whole rally. And then, but I didn't know I really had COVID. I don't know if I really didn't have COVID. But when I got home, then I took a test. I had COVID still, and I was not feeling too great. Sad in bed for like two weeks. Not mm. really, actually. I think I rode like a lot of the days. When you I got back. I was feeling bad, but then it felt better if I went and rode. And then I'd be done riding, and then I would say, wow, that was really silly. I wish I didn't go ride because now I feel really bad. <laughs> how um, how soon was it when you got back to the States? Did you get right back on a bike? I think same day. <laughs> really? Yeah, with my brother. He's like, he's getting mad at me that I was saying I don't feel good. He's like, because we're riding. We got to go ride. I'm like, <laughs> All right, we'll go ride. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ride right from the house? Yeah. Nice. That's that's nice. Yeah, super nice. That's I haven't had many here. Days off, I feel like. You what? I said I haven't had many days off the bike. Yeah. So far. <clears throat> wow. Were so were you very sore after uh, the rally or yeah, my hands and wrist they felt like they just didn't work. Hmm. Like everything just hurt really bad. Um and my shoulders. I found out, like, my weak point right now is probably my shoulders and my back for, like, strength, you know? Mm-hmm. Time to work it. <laughs> yep. So we've been in the gym working on it every day since, so. Nice. So Hopefully do better. You, when you're not on the bike or not thinking about rally or whatever or racing, what do you do for fun? Is there anything else you do? or For fun? I don't know if we do anything for fun. All we ever do is ride dirt bikes, ride bicycles, and go in the gym. Yeah. No, that's fun. <laughs> I thought about that. Like, I actually think about that a lot. It's like, what do normal people do? <laughs> ride horses? We're, I don't we know. ride dirt bikes, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's normal people. We ride bikes, and we ride dirt bikes. Yeah. Yeah. You got a girlfriend? <laughs> nah. <laughs> no time for that yeah <laughs> they're probably banging down your door now mason klein's famous yep i just need someone with a really nice job making a lot of money sugar really money. to watch me ride my dirt bike <laughs> <laughs> i need one of those <laughs> oh great <laughs> that's funny yeah i feel like it's too much work to worry about girls yeah it's yeah I mean, we could definitely look at them or whatever, but I don't right. want to be responsible for anything. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're 20. You got plenty of time. Plenty of time. <laughs> but right on. Well, uh, what what bike? You know, what bike are you riding now? Are you still? You just have the the KTM rally bike. Yeah, the rally bike, or do you? Yeah, I have my rally bike, but my normal bike, like the bike that I ride every day, is a KTM yeah. 500, the PDS suspension. It's great. I love it. I switched from a linkage 450 to a PDS 500. I think the 500 is the bike to ride. Nice. I do, like, extreme and row stuff, anything you want to do. The 500 could do everything. It's not just a dual sport bike. It's so awesome. Maybe, like, Carter rides his 254-stroke KTM. Oh, he talks about one, like... He says, I'm going to get a 500. All he wants is a 500. It's the best mm-hmm. bike, I think. Hmm. 
So how, <clears throat> when you got over there, you talked about, you know, you did a bunch of suspension testing and everything. Once you got into the race at Dakar, how, how was everything working for you? Was it? I made my rear shock. Was it... I made my rear shock one click stiffer. Yeah. This, the terrain here, the stuff that I was doing testing on, it was amazing. Like <clears throat> Saudi Arabia, like Skyler would say, it looks a lot like Utah and everything. Maybe it looks like Utah. Maybe it looks like Barstow, but it's like a hundred times bigger. Like you've mm-hmm. never seen such a big wash. You know, it's cliffs yeah. are huge. Rocks are huge. Yeah. Everything is bigger in Saudi Arabia. Mm. But the train, like very similar, maybe a bit sandier in some places on the floor. Did you guys get some rain while you were over there? Uh, Yeah. A f- I think the first week, everything was wet, so it was pretty nice. Yeah. Before the car, all we were doing was, all we had was wet dirt. We were doing wet dunes, wet everything. And I told Skylar, I was like, ah, it's great that the dirt's wet, but this sucks. I never get to train or anything. And we get to the car, and all I've been training on is wet dunes, and it's wet dunes for a week straight. We just did wet dunes for two weeks straight at Skylar's. I felt pretty good. Yeah, cool. How did you get hooked up with Skyler? Just met him at a race, or how did that happen? Uh, we've known Skyler for a long time from the Heron Hound series. Okay. Uh, obviously, he moved away from it a while ago. Mm-hmm. But um, the last memory I have of him out of Heron Hound is we were in our Sprinter van, and he was in his Sprinter van. And he said, all right, I'm leaving. Something like that. So that was pretty cool. And uh, we started talking to him again because rally. Uh, I think he got me invited to a road book ride. And um, yeah, we've been doing a lot since. Nice. Yeah, Skyler's a cool kid, guy, person. <laughs> um, yeah, he's super helpful. Definitely my mentor. Yeah. I learned from him every day. Like we talk basically every day about something related to road books. It's crazy. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, so there was rumor that you're going to come up to the Nevada 200. Is that, are you doing that? I'm signed up. My dad and I and my brother were signed up. Cool. Well, me and Eric are, Eric and I are on the staff, so we'll definitely, uh, um, shake hands and meet with you and, That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Do you know what kind of food we're going to be eat- eating? I know they do like a, a cool thing. Um, I think uh, for the dinner Saturday night, it's basic. Your stuff, you either pick uh, steak or chicken. Mm. Um, I think that is, I don't know if they do that in for pre-registration or if you do it here. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I picked steak for the three of us. Okay. And, it's yeah, and then the breakfast good. pretty standard breakfast eggs and eggs pancakes and then uh, burrito burrito or whatever yeah yeah and then and then they do a catered lunch on the trail that's usually um they get a catering company from, pasta and sandwiches and yeah it all it just all depends it's on really it. good food yeah that'd be cool yeah it's a it's a fun time for sure it's so, a phenomenal event yep yeah i'm excited for it very cool. Right on. Um, 
All right. Again, them them Area 51 aliens are really kicking our yeah, butt tonight. Yeah, insane. <laughs> they just came after me. <laughs> Shut the phone down. <laughs> Anyways, it's all good. Well, um, you got anything else you want to comment on before we wrap this show up? Um, thank you so much, everybody who helped me get to the car. Um, make dreams come true. I loved every second of it, and it's all thanks to you guys. Yeah. Uh, you got a lot of fans now. I'm a fan. I'm sure Eric's a fan. Absolutely, yep. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to grasp that a 20-year-old young man did what you did, and I think you surprised a lot of people, and got a bright future ahead of you heck yeah Yeah. man don't 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 stop what you're doing thanks guys so we will see you in a couple weeks at the nevada 200 or sooner um i don't know if you're hitting any of the works races i'm doing the work series eric's doing legacy uh the legacy races seem cool yeah they they have put together a pretty pretty neat series but uh my favorite race last year was that Baja Nevada. It was mm-hmm. 630 miles on over two days. And uh, this year they're going to do it one day, 650 miles. So, yeah, that'd be maybe, sweet. maybe come put some miles in there. Yeah, yeah Skyler said he's hitting it. You should come out too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be like the new longest race in America or something, huh? Yeah, so, yeah. You better come hit it. Maybe we should all be there. Heck or yeah. We can all say what up at the podium. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But, uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. And again, you know, awesome job at Dakar and bright, bright future ahead of yourself. So keep up the good work. Sweet. Thank you, guys. All right. All right we'll buddy. see you soon. See you. All right. See you. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Awesome. Thank you, Mason, for coming on. Sweet. Uh, super cool story to hear where you you know where you started with your rally career making <laughs> road books by yourself and uh making your own tower and all that so to, <laughs> just... to do a ninth overall at the uh Dakar it's just impressive to hear and really cool to to see you do that at you know age 20 so I just wanted a, a bike that had a tower on it <laughs> and then I built my road book and I now I needed something to hold the road book, so I got some cardboard and some rubber bands. Yeah, man, that's a story <laughs> and a half. So <laughs> that pretty, is all, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we look forward to seeing what you what the future holds for you, man. Yeah, yeah, we wish you all the good luck, and can't wait to meet you and shake your hand. Absolutely, we'll see you in a month or so at the uh, Nevada 200. But Sweet. Um, let's talk about Supercross fantasy. Uh, yeah. how'd you do this last week? Um, we were talking a little bit the other day about it last night. Um, but, uh, when I made my picks, I didn't realize that it was the triple crown crown. So that messed me all up. I thought the triple crown. And so did you, you were telling me that it was a three event. Yeah, that series? that format threw me off. I thought it was three events, not uh, three heat or you know three heats or whatever in one so, night. Yeah, yeah. so that kind of threw me off. I probably would have picked it a little different, but 
Yeah, it is what it is. I got two right. I don't know how, why. And it didn't seem like it helped me any in, in our group, the fantasy group standings, probably because I think some other people nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Whether... I, I definitely didn't. I I didn't get any right. I had several in the top five, but didn't get any in the right position. So I'm sitting 16th in our group, and you are 29th. 29th, yeah, moving down. <laughs> That's what you get for talking all that crap in the beginning. I know. Got to learn to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Anyways, how about Travis Pearson, our buddy Travis, our local boy, and Dave Pearson's brother, um, sitting first in our group and number 519 out of all of Rocky Mountain Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, Keep up the good work, man. That's awesome, Travis. Yeah. Yeah. Get in that top 100 or top 10 or something, see what you get. Just don't forget us. Right. (laughs) Um, Somebody's got to get some swag, some product. Yeah. 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 So um, I know we talked a little bit too, you and I, um, about Malcolm Smith. Or Malcolm Stewart. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Brain <laughs> fart. drawing a blank. I stopped sucking oxygen. Yeah, Mookie, man. Uh, he had a good showing, didn't he? That, yeah. He, that format really suits him. Kind of. Kind of knew he was going to probably do well. Um, he's been doing good all year, actually. But, top five-ish or so. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, been consistent, which is something that he really needed. So looks like things are starting to click for him and getting comfortable, feeling like he's one of the contenders. Yeah. And Eli on the Yamaha, that that's – I'm a Yamaha guy, so you can tell awesome. he's Yeah, you can tell he's getting comfortable too. Um, they've probably been putting in some work over the last several weeks and – it's one thing to go and test at the test track, you know, but when you finally race those settings in a, in an actual race, um, it really tells you where you're at and where your settings are at. And uh, so even though they test for a month or so before Supercross, a couple months, whatever, but until they actually drop the gate on that first race, that's when you know what, what your settings are doing and what you got. And um, when you, you know, when you find that, setting and you get comfortable that's when the confidence comes so you can tell he's he's settled in and he's doing good yeah yeah so um speaking of testing we we went and uh raced the legacy race i think i said that earlier but went and raced legacy out in laughlin and um you know we try to try to do our suspension testing several weeks before or the week before at least you know but we uh we really didn't have time and couldn't couldn't swing it to get together so we ended up testing suspension um friday the the day before the race and i don't recommend that but (laughs) we did and we ended up making some clicker adjustments and made some changes um we got some new settings back from factory connection and um some new uh spring fork the spring fork conversion and all that Anyway, we same kind of thing, you know. You think, okay, cool. I think we're good. You know, we go test it in the in the desert, but until you really race those settings, it's it's hard to know what you got. And um, man, luckily we nailed it. We had a really good bike set up for for Laughlin, so I was pretty stoked on that. But uh, yeah, the new settings are good. Cool. And uh, you guys did pretty good. Well, <laughs> we did all right. I mean. Um, kind of had some some high expectations of ourselves just to to try and perform you know we stepped up to the open pro class coming up from the open expert you know um 
so yeah we were racing with the big dogs and they're fast <laughs> but uh <clears throat> we we did pretty good um we started third overall and i was able to hold that for the first 15 miles had a really good battle with taylor stevens and um, the 11x uh, ricky dalberg and and those guys and yeah we duked it out out there for the first 15 miles brought it in was able to hold third overall and then um ty hopped on and went out for a rocky loop and we just kept working it from there you know but uh later in the race kind of showed where we were at with our physical training and we we were off the pace late in the race a little bit so hmm. got a little bit of work to do get in shape but we rode well the bike was really good so you know we had some took away some positive from it and uh had a ton of fun dude that legacy laughlin race is so much fun it's it's challenging but what a fun course and same with the series those guys are are doing a really fantastic job of of just making it fun and and uh good cool environments so check them out the next race is baja nevada mm. talked with mason a little bit on that but um it's gonna be the longest off-road race in america 650 miles in, in one, one day. day wow talking about doing an early early start like maybe uh 2 a.m start or something like wow. that so start in the dark so if you're planning on racing that you better get your lights set up now and start working on that because there's a little bit of prep that comes with racing a 650 mile race but uh it uh it's going to be a lot of fun hmm. looking forward to it i need to talk to you about some lights too i know you raced new light that new light kit in yeah. baja we did how are those really good really good um <clears throat> what are they so we we use the uh squadron pro um it's a 40 watt squadron pro from where from baja designs okay so we use the baja designs uh headlight squadron pro and then for our helmet lights we're using the oxbow um oxbow i don't they're basically they have just one one helmet lights um set up but it's really good um I, i've used several other company you know head uh, helmet lights and the oxbow light was really good it's got three settings on it and uh, the bright one's pretty dang bright cool so yeah i think i want to invest in some of that some helmet lights yeah yeah um just cool. just our experience at the mint 400 this last time we ended up going in the dark and we didn't think we were going to and we didn't have lights and um my brother was actually in the main pit and i was out waiting for him to get to us and he was getting ready to start lap five we were in the dark and i don't know how they did it but people in the pits just started bringing him lights so he got hooked up with lights just a helmet light though no bike light right right yeah, yeah. yeah. we're on a two-stroke and uh, <laughs> That's we so gnarly. figure that out so yeah Anyway, so I think I want to get some, be prepared for our Mint 400 this this next month, four weeks from now. <clears throat> Anyways, um, cool. So, yeah, you guys don't uh, give up. Got some work to do for Legacy. Um, yeah, no, I know. I'm hitting the gym hard and uh, went out, did some ride training tonight. and Just going to push myself a little bit. So hopefully we can get more on par come back stronger at the uh baja nevada cool cool yeah speaking of some training i i got on my bicycle uh this week twice already and once last week 
uh, I was able to beat the sun a little bit. I know Monday I got a little late start, and I live in Calliani in the the mountains, kind of. And uh, I know it was getting cold, and that that's why I haven't really been on it. Cold and snow, and yeah, yesterday yeah, the winters in, the winters are hard, dude. With it, it gets dark earlier. It's cold, and it, it get it's tough to stay motivated, especially if you're doing stuff outdoors like you, you know, yeah. hitting the road bike or trying to get seat time. But uh, yeah, but it felt good. It felt good. I got about almost twenty three miles in in two days, so felt good yeah it does too it always feels good to get up and just get up early and get working and get the blood flowing yeah so cool um, what else man um this last weekend i did something a little new it doesn't really have to deal with dirt bikes or whatever but i was in vegas uh and my sister has a jeep and we were on our way yeah we were on our way to my mom's for in Overton for her 75th birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Anyway, um, she's on this Facebook group or something, Las Vegas Jeep Life. And she goes, hey, on the way out to mom's, they're doing a Jeep run at Logandale Trails. You want to go? And I'm like, okay. So I'm following her in the moto van. And I thought we were going to park right there at the turnoff. And I ended up going down a dirt road i had just washed the moto van first time washing you took it. the moto van on a jeep trail well, on a jeep safari <laughs> trail ride I, at first i thought that's what i was doing <laughs> anyway uh about five miles in on a dirt road and that's where everybody parked i guess they have to let some air out of the tires anyways i got done with that it was very cool i'm thinking man now i gotta go buy me a jeep but the more i think about it as fun and cool as it was i just think it's a little too slow for me at this point in my life um maybe in the future yeah when you're ready to slow down yeah it was cool it was cool hanging out with my sister we laughed we had fun she got scared she drove almost the whole way and she got to a point where this guy jumped out of his jeep and was guiding people over this cliff and rocks it was kind of cool uh so i jumped in the jeep because she freaked out got to talking to this guy he was 75 years old, and you'd think he was 50. He was just running around like crazy. It was cool. <laughs> Anyways, um, made some new friends, talked to him. Anyway, that was my Sunday before mom's birthday party. And Anyway, something different. So what's what's next? Uh, you got what, – what's your next race? Well, before that, works. we are going to the Supercross this weekend, Anaheim oh, yeah. 3. Um, yeah, I almost forgot. Eric and his family and I'm going. We're going to meet each other there. And uh, we got some uh, people we need to go talk to and meet and future guests. So hopefully we can make that happen. We're going to go shake some hands with the uh, contact we've made. And big surprise um, if we can make this happen. Uh, don't oh, it's that, going down. Yeah. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but dude, here in the next couple episodes, we got he committed over text so or messaging so we're gonna go shake his hand and make it happen and maybe make some more contacts while we're there so stay tuned for that <clears throat> anyways and then um what do we got after yeah, that so anaheim three and then the weekend after that i'll be back down in southern california at Glen helen for works race round two uh and it's i think that's the president's day weekend so i'm gonna I'll be off work 
for President's Day, and I think I'm going to take a little trip from Glen Helen down to the Gunslingers uh, facility and meet uh, Cameron and Carissa. Gainslingers. Gainslingers. I always say Gunslingers. <laughs> we have a little restaurant here, local restaurant called Gunslingers, so that's what I think that's of. That's good, too. Yeah, good sandwiches. Gunslingers, subs, uh, Jason Beam. Bob and Jason oh, yeah. Beam on that. Jason we had Beam. them on our show. The Beam Designs, famous helmet yeah. painter. Yeah. Jason owns a restaurant up here. Yeah. It's so. Really good. Anyway, sorry about the that, but yeah, if you're ever in Pioch, go check out Gunslingers. Awesome sandwich. Uh, what else? Um, so the works race after that, Gainslingers, and four weeks from now, the Mint 400. Got my team all dialed in as of yesterday. Got two new teammates, and we got to go defend our um, over 50 class win from this last round of the Mint 400. I know uh, we've been working on our Ground Shakers race coming up April 23rd. I actually, uh, last Friday, Thursday, Friday, I got a signed BLM permit and working on a couple more highway crossing permit we are crossing a highway and then i turned in our application to the county and so um everything's falling into place got the ball rolling there and uh last year we had a really good turnout 240 riders so something like that hopefully we can get you guys all out to our race again um this year again it's april 23rd um in in caliente nevada so if uh you don't have anything on the schedule that weekend, mark it up, come yep. down, check us out, and come race with us, man. It's going to be kind, a good time. Kind of a newer location for us. We will actually get on some trails that we have used in the past, but the start area and the kids area and the 50s, I promise it's not going to be like it was last year, and I'll take the total blame on that. The dirt just disintegrated. Yeah, too soft. We, we tried something, and it didn't work, uh, but... This year, we're I promise. Yeah, we're definitely taking into consideration the, the kids and make sure that we put on an awesome, fun event for them that's not overly difficult or too soft for the bikes to even run in. So, yeah. Um, make sure you bring bring the kids with you and come race, man. Yep. It's going to be a good weekend. More details on that to come. Um, we've been out a couple times riding it, and we got some more to do. You can find info for that on the Moran, M-R-A-N, Motorcycle Racing Association Nevada Moran website racemoran.com Race and then April 2nd we've got the Silver State Trailblazers is doing a race in Panaca yep um, kind of fires a up for that one as well yep kind of a GP format type thing and I think it's like 12 mile loop for two hours for the big bikes and then mm -hmm. there's also kid loops and stuff like that so yeah there's there's racing for it's every age fun. yeah so looking forward to that. Uh, what else do we got going on here? What's your next race? Um, I'm I'm kicking around racing the Moran race here, the Silver State the Trailblazers. Silver State Trailblazers race. April second, April third. Use 3rd? that just to, to train. If it's two hours of nonstop racing, I you know I need all the riding I can get. So I'm gonna probably use that as a training, just see how I can do. And then uh, our next you know committed big races just baja nevada so cool. i think that's in april um no mm. may 
May? It's, I don't know. It's on my other calendar. I'm looking at the wrong. I got two <laughs> phones, so I'm looking at the wrong phone here. But uh, Baja Nevada. Legacy Baja Nevada, May 6th, 7th, 8th. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that. Uh, it's epic. For sure. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you guys don't forget to go check out Gainslinger <clears throat> at gainslinger.com. Enter our contest, the Human Performance Scholarship. Yeah, I don't even know what else to say about it. It's phenomenal. Sounds like a phenomenal deal. Wish I could enter. Um, you too. But. Yeah. Yeah, I've already won. <laughs> anyway, I'm kind of excited. I talked to Cameron on the phone the other day, um, not on the podcast, and uh, we're going to get together at the works race in Glen Helen, and then it looks like I'm going to go check out their facility. So... Um, I, I'm excited. Go enter that contest. It's like a six thousand dollar package or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. Crazy. I mean, who gives who gives something like that away anyway yeah. on a Instagram contest or whatever a podcast contest? But right. anyway, these guys are and they're legit. <clears throat> so, heck yeah. Go get signed up. Well, let's call it. Don't forget to find us on Facebook, which is KD Eric. Or throw us an email, thedesertdirtbiker at gmail.com. And, of course, on Instagram, thedesertdirtbiker. And um, don't forget to get your picks in for Anaheim 3 in our group, in the Rocky Mountain Fantasy. And uh, reach out to us if you guys have guest suggestions, uh, guest contacts. If you're going to be at Anaheim 3 and uh, just want to say, hey, shoot us a message on the... Instagram or whatever, and we'll try to respond and come and say hi. Come say hi. So we'll be walking around. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, until next time, Corn Dog and Eric signing off. We'll see you at the races. Thank you for listening to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast. Make sure you tune in next time. <laughs>